Welcome to Missing the Point. We're doing the Celtics again because uh, it's playoff time. I'm injecting as much basketball into my veins as I can. It is the greatest reality show on television. You could probably take away the actual basketball part and the uh, the narrative itself would be uh, more than entertaining. I don't know if you guys have been following along with non-Celtics related uh, basketball drama, but this Celtics series has enough uh, to talk about, I think, to get us through an hour. But if uh, if we want to go talk about how Dylan Brooks shouldn't have fucking poked the bear, then bro, uh, what I'm the fuck is he? What, what is he thinking? Ah, fuck. But there is interesting storylines across uh, most of these games. Obviously, the the Sixers fucking handed out a four zero sweep, and the Celtics probably should have, uh, if we're being honest. But last time we were on the show, it was me, Ray, and Mike. Bobby, welcome back. Today it's me, Ray, and Bobby. I am DK Sizzle. This is Missing the Point. And the Celtics are up 3-1 and the series is essentially over. I did say on the last show that we were going to 4-0 these motherfuckers because of how terrible they looked in uh, in Boston in games one and two. You know, the obvious sort of truisms of basketball aside, I still think we would should have won that game three. Admittedly, it is in the M- NBA's best interest to extend the series. The Hawks had their back against the wall. They played really well. The Celtics, I think, played well in spurts in Game 3, and I think we should start with that before we move on to Game 4 and how uh, happy we are with that, the latest performance last night. Um, what did you guys think? Uh, Ray, we'll start with you. What did you think of that Game 3? Do you, were you worried? Was there worrying signs? I know we have Game 4 to reflect on now, but what 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 do you think happened? Was it Atlanta played really well or was it Boston didn't didn't step up? Was it that game three, like you said, is always on some bullshit? What do you think happened in that game three? And and, and are you happy with the corrections we made? So I, I think it was a mix of everything. It, it, it was just a perfect storm of what could have went wrong in that moment just did. You know, obviously they had a numerous amount of assists and uh, they made over 23s, I believe, in game three. Everything was fucked that's great. Yeah, when you, when you score that many points, usually, you know, you're going to win the game. Uh, but when Trey Young, as I mentioned, I thought he would go ballistic in game four as opposed to game three. Well, actually, he did go, he did go ballistic in game four. It, it just wasn't enough. But, you know, I, I thought that we would see, you know, an, an uptick from him, you know, for, uh, scoring-wise. Uh, you know, DeJounte Murray, we'll, we'll get into him shortly about what happened for him and, and his status for game five. But, you know, he he had been he had been killing us, or he has been killing us all series, uh, you know. And game three was 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 no different. So I just think that you know, yeah, like I said, like you said, it was it was on it was on this bullshit. You know, I think that certain calls were made that should have been called. I didn't even though he does it, he does it well at times. I didn't love seeing Al Horford on Trey Young at times. You know, uh, out there, yeah, it, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, with any sort of it, runway, you, you're gonna want yeah, exactly a little bit it, of it, speed going backwards. Like, like no knock like, on him, but. Yeah, it looked like what I call a mixtape session. You know, it, it was it was a joke. So I was like, "Yeah, this is not this is not ideal." <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm 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 glad that they figured it out in Game Four. But yeah, Game Three definitely gave me, you know, cause to for a little concern. Cause I thought, okay, please take this team seriously because if you don't, like, you can easily go back to Boston on Tuesday tied. Uh, thankfully, that wasn't the case. But as far as Game Three went, yeah, I just I I was annoyed. With how the end process was, but like I said, they 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 were able to write their wrongs. Bobby, the Celtics really aren't playing defense against the Atlanta Hawks. They haven't really nope. been doing it for four games. Uh, three out of those four games, it wasn't really a big deal. But I do think that there was, I guess, and I was saying this to Mike and Ray last time we did a show. It, it's not so much to, for me that the 
inability to execute defensively. It's that at very important times, they don't look like they're trying to play defense at all. And I, and I think that sort of lack of effort is very concerning to me because, yes, are we the Sixers daddy? Of course. But we're not going to be able to do that if Joel Embiid is like getting to the elbow and, and scoring on us at will. We're going to need to defend everybody else. He might be able to do that no matter how good a defense we're playing. But th- as far as causes for concern that Ray was talking about, do you think that game three was any indication of of issues within this squad? Or do you just think they're kind of like, we can outscore these fucking guys? Uh, is it an attitude thing? You know, I was saying on the last show, I, I'm enjoying how mentally locked in they are in general. I think that the stuff that comes out of the camp is always an indication with the Celtics team because they're not very good at hiding their feelings from the media, which is good for us because we can kind of get a, a lens into like how, how everything's going over there. But are you concerned? Did that concern you? Or are you just thinking, I don't know, maybe they had a fucking yeah, a table reserved at a club in Atlanta. The Knights out there apparently great. Um, so it's a little bit of both, if you ask me. The effort thing is what is the most concerning thing to me. How at certain points in that game when we needed a big stop to to really claw back into it and really make it, you know, the game we thought it was going to be where we pull away at the end. The defense just wasn't there. It was you know not putting a hand in a dude's face, not making that extra rotation. Uh, certain dudes just looked like liabilities out there at points. And and that it wasn't even the second half really. It was that first half, most noticeably the second quarter. I, I don't know what happened if they if they just thought that they really were going to roll over them because you know they didn't have to play in defense in the first quarter and and just completely lost it in the first quarter. But uh, second quarter, giving up seventy six points. To the Atlanta Hawks in the first half is fucking inexcusable. Playoff record for for points allowed for the Celtics, I think. Bro, you can't do that, especially like like we talked about before. When you were a historically great defensive team last year, it's like, listen, we know you have the pieces to do it, and it just seems like they were so committed into trying to play a track meet with this Atlanta Hawks team when that's the only way, literally the only feasible basketball sense. For the Hawks to beat the Celtics as if it's a track meet. And if they outscore them, you know, it, I mean, obviously that sounds like a John Madden. They got to outscore them to win the game. But like literally, was the only way that, <laughs> but the only way they're going to beat them is if it's a 130 to 122, exactly what it sure. was. It's got to be over 120, and both teams are going to be shooting like 50 to 60%. If the Celtics play their game and they play half court defense, they should beat this Hawks team by 20 points every single night. And, and, you know, I think when when you see the Celtics play at their top game, that's so evident. You know what I mean? Like the fourth quarter yesterday, we just absolutely waxed the floor with them. You know, they th- they thought they were back in it and the Celtics were just like, no, bro, come on, Let, let's let's get out of here and let's go back to Boston for one. Yeah, that's a good transition. Ray, let me ask you about game four. Uh, did it alleviate your fears and your issues that you that sort of maybe cr- might have cropped up in the in the paranoid section of your brain about the Celtics team? The way they were very professionally getting the job done, I thought, on on uh, Sunday night in game four. And I think for me, at least, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, at least I what we didn't talk in between games three and four. But I was pretty adamant that if they, we were going to go into that game and it was going to wipe away the fears that I had for game three, they needed to do it professionally. They needed to do it very emphatically and uh, they needed to do it because. As much as I still think we'd win the series if we came back to Boston 2-2, I'd be pissed because we really are too much for this Atlanta team. Like We just are too much for them, and I'm glad that we went out there and showed that. So are you still worried about the the holes we might have shown in Game 3, the lack of defensive uh, effort and prowess, or 
did game four do enough to take that away for you? Yeah, I, I think it did enough for me to believe that it should be over tomorrow night as we record this on, on a Monday night. Hey, once again, like we, we, we've all alluded to, when they want to turn it on, especially against a team like this, you know, not much is going to matter. And if Tatum is getting 30, if Brown's getting 30, if, you know, Marcus Smart's going to get, you know, drop 19, if Brown's going to get 15 off the bench, you know, and, and also, hit, you know, make timely plays, like, it's, it's, it, should, it should be a wrap. So, yeah, I love how they went out. Once again, I think it was only like two or three lead changes. You know, last night, I think they took the lead early on, like, I think in the first quarter, and they did not trail since. So, I mean, to me, it was just a matter of, okay, they're going to have runs. You have stood it. Great. You know, you didn't you didn't let them get all the way back in the game and even surpass you in the, in the game, late in the game. So, yeah, I, I think they they did enough to, to ease my fear. You know, once again, they got stops when they needed to, and that's what – that's all you go for because, once again – this new era of NBA, guys are going to score. Like you're not, it's not going to be one twenty to ninety five always. You know, we seen we seen a couple games. You know, in other series that it was a like ninety five eighty and you know one on one to ninety two type thing. But it's like this look, is the first round though, right? I mean, it's like you know you're getting teams. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's not going to happen with uh, a third yeah. round playoff spot where you got you know elite no. elite teams going no. against each other in the modern NBA. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So yeah, the, the talent was out there, but yeah, but no, like I said, but yeah, the, the answer to your question, uh, yeah, they 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 did enough to to ease that, and once again, it, it should be a wrap come, you know, come Tuesday night. Yeah, we're gonna talk about individual Celtics like we always do, uh, assessments of each of each player, but I do want to touch on a couple of things before we start that. Uh, I'm a big Dejounte Murray fan. I really I really like his game. I think that Jalen Brown can go one on one with pretty much anybody relative to his size defensively and offensively. I truly believe that about him. I, I think he's, I still think he's a very underrated player. I think DeJounte Murray was giving him a lot of problems. I I, I was thinking it at times, the way he was able to take him either side, uh, you know, the way he was baiting him into, into foul trouble a lot. And Jalen was, he was making Jalen make a lot of stupid decisions uh, in game four. So I also think he's fiery. I, I think he, I think he cares about, about the game. I I'm just a fan of his game. I like players like that. You know, we've been talking about basketball long enough to know the archetypes that we all like. And usually I'm kind of a, a wiry big man type guy, but I really like DeJounte Murray. I really do. I personally think that that suspension that was now official for game five is soft as fuck. Uh, I think, yeah, I get you can't touch the refs. Like I understand. I'm not sure what he said to him, but it's like, I don't know, man, it's playoff basketball. They just lost a game. You know, if he didn't feel like they called the game in their favor, that's fine. If I was a Hawks fan or if I was a Hawks coach or if I was a fellow Hawks player, I'd be pissed at him right now. I would for making a dumb decision. But Ray, what what do you think of that suspension? I mean, aside from the fact that it's like, yeah, well, whatever, dude, you touched a ref like you're out. Is that how it should be? Or is that just some soft shit? It's playoff basketball, right? Or am I am I giving him being too easy on him? Uh I do think there's some bias there, like you just meant to be a fan. I I do think, yes, I I don't I didn't love the suspension either, but it's like once again, if and it was early in the season, but I remember in Chicago when it happened, but Grant like Grant got him, it really just kind of brushed past him. It wasn't something where he he pushed him out the way, right? He kind of brushed past him, and then, you know he got suspended for a game, got fined or whatever. That was in um, the, in, in play it, though, right? It, like that was in play. Well, yeah, it was after the foul, yeah. So, yeah, it was so after, it's yeah, like, I don't, you know, it's yeah, a little yeah, different. Right. Yeah, so, I get what you mean, though. Right, a little different. It's just like, so that's, 
<laughs> like you you can't seek the content. And I, and I think that's what the issue was. Like he he sought it out. It's one thing if you just barked at the ref and cussed him out, fine, whatever. He might have got fined for that, but whatever. Like you're not you're not gonna get any further repercussion. But yeah, you you can't you can't bump into his face WWE style and get into his face and think that they're not going to reprimand you. Honestly, if if we want to take a comedic route to it, to me, he's already ready for Cancun. And I, I get it. He he <laughs> he caught the he caught the selfish slew early and said, you know what? Man, them being a coladas, you know, that 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 white Hennessy and Cancun is gonna look is, is gonna is gonna taste phenomenal. I mean he knows the series so is he, over. He, he knows. <laughs> yeah, he knows. Yeah. He knows. So I I I I would I would I would have done the same thing. If I know it's over, why am I gonna get cooked in Boston? I'm gonna go enjoy my vacation. He probably brought the lemon pepper wings and the Hennessy down to enjoy a summer. Bobby, what do you think of that suspension? Uh, I think it's soft as hell. I, I I just I I want to I want I want to beat them full strength. Right. To be honest, I don't I don't want the excuse no. of like you know without Dejounte, you know who knows? But no, I, well, I don't want to. We hear. know though. We know. We have, but and uh, to, to go off what Ray was saying too, I also think he might get, be getting a little sick of playing next to Trey Young because uh, as talented as that dude is, man. He's got to be the most frustrating, talented guard I've ever seen play basketball in my entire oh, life. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not watch Car- Kyrie Irving play? Is <laughs> Did you just miss that entire era in Boston? Or bro, bro, most, that, most frustrating guard? Okay, same, cool. Same number. But still, bro, <laughs> it's he's he's so frustrating to watch. And, I mean, his yeah, game is frustrating. I get that. Kyrie yeah. is frustrating in other ways. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought the best part about this game was that Tatum and Brown, honestly, weren't that big of factors in the first half. And we still looked like the much more dominant team. You know what I mean? What did Jalen have seven at half? And he, he was playing garbage. He took off the mask and it was a whole different ball game. But the fact that we were able to weather that storm and and the guys who were making the big plays right down the stretch weren't Tatum and Brown. They weren't the ones making those plays that really, to me, were the biggest plays of the game. You have the Marcus three at the ends of the half and then the Marcus slam dunk late in the third quarter. I think was it late in the third no, quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter? The, the, yeah, but it, was, it, was, it was at the end of the third. Like that, that, that they were up three. He dunks it, and they go up ninety two eighty seven. I thought that was the biggest player. And then Jalen hit a three the right. next possession down, and that was ball game from there. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's it, it's good to see because that's exactly what we needed last year, right? You know, Jalen and Tatum can can do that heavy lifting, but when it comes to those moments, you need your your your, your role players to be able to step up step up in those moments. The so Grant Williams, the Al Horford. And last night to me it was Marcus. So I, yeah. I I I just love how we can see those role players making those big moments. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good transition to start talking about individual players, and I think we will start with Marcus. Bro, Smart just follow the transitions tonight, huh? I love it. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> this kid kid's like a TikTok creator. He's just he's got transitions <laughs> everywhere. But you know, Marcus Smart. I think uh, Bobby. I think last I think it was last time you and I were on a show together. You were talking about the the the, the better rotation essentially being, uh, and I agree with you to a certain extent when you like that you like white and Malcolm Brogdon out on the floor together more than, than smart these days. And I countered it with the idea that like Marcus always steps up in playoff time and we are going to need him in key moments. And I, I think yep. we've seen that over the course of this series and we will for the remainder of the playoffs. I think my favorite part of that dunk is that no, no go, go situation that I think we were all in. I don't know about you guys, but like when he was, the clock was winding down. I thought he hadn't gone in time yet because I hate when we go on seven. I always like to go on nine. Maybe I'm a traditionalist. Like if you, you got to start running the play at like at the, at the minimum nine seconds, right? He's, he, Jalen Brown comes over, I think to get maybe a screen for a pick and pop. Yeah, he a screen. waves Jalen Brown away, 
right? Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of crazy in and of itself. Because Marcus knows what I don't know. Because I'm going, why are you why, why are you waving Jalen Brown away? Fucking go! Just the clock is the clock's fucking ticking. I'm getting pissed, right? Because I know how. Important if I'm not mistaken, Marcus missed a three earlier in the possession too. Sure. Wasn't this off an sure. offensive rebound too? I yeah. think. But the clock was winding down. He waves Jalen Brown off, and what Marcus knows that I didn't know at the time is that Bogdan Bogdanovich is defending him, and he's like, "If I have a run on this guy, I have fucking have him. I have him. He's a fucking he's a Big Mac because I cooked his ass up." <laughs> I didn't know that, but Marcus knew that. He took him. He started left, which is super clever, right? He kind of baited him into guarding him over the left hand side, switched hands, went right, and then just sprinted. And he had two steps on him by the time he got to the basket. And he, it's like, dunk that shit. Like, don't, don't go for a layup. Like, he knows. Like, and I think the intelligence and the veteran, the veteran presence of a Marcus Smart is what kind of defines the nuance of a situation like that because he knows to dunk it because, like, that's a momentum uh, getter in a, in a situation like that. He knows he has. Bogdanovich on fucking skates if he wants. And then to have the kind of Marcus Smart attitude of waving away the kind of co-captain, second best player on the team, Jalen Brown, who's having a good game at that point. You know, like you said, he didn't have a great first half, but he had already started playing really well in the third quarter. I was pretty proud of it because there's a version of Marcus Smart that does that and it doesn't come off, right, uh, uh, of a few years ago. But now when he makes those choices, they're a little bit more intentional. They're a little bit more spread out. And when he does it, they're in big moments. So uh, Ray, can you speak to the idea of of a Marcus Smart, especially now in the era of a Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon backcourt that uh, provides a lot of different options and doesn't necessarily rely on him as much in the guard position? You know, how do you think he did across those two games that we've been talking about? And how wh- what kind of a, a player do you need him to be going forward? Oh, he he's he he wants it. Like you, you could tell that he he wants to, like, and you could tell early on with Marcus where he's at. So if he's missing a lot of shots, turn the ball over, like for whatever reason, he's just not engaged. But when he's you know up on you defensively, when he gets a couple threes to knock down, or he gets a layup, you know off a steal or whatever, because he calls a turnover, like that's when you know okay we're getting the good Marcus tonight. And when you get good Marcus, like we did for most of the playoffs last year, it was it was game over, you know Im- Im- immediately. So. Like could we start three. saying? Could we start calling it playoff, Marcus? Are we at that point? Is it? Yeah, sure. It's, it's, we might be, bro. Like we might be. We. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, even even think about what what sparked the great rivalry between you two, the 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 twenty twenty playoffs against Toronto, right? Um, Toronto was giving it to us, and all of a sudden, Marcus hits not one, not two, not three, not four, but five threes in a row. And that <laughs> is that, that, is that a, is that a LeBron James interview reference? Yeah, it went, it went, it went, he went, he went ballistic. So from then on, it was like, oh, okay, like this is what, this is what he can do when, like, he, he's just a gamer. And he, 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 for the most part, always understands the moment. And I think that he was one of the few players from the get go that was like, look, he had your mindset, Dave. He's like, yo, I'm going to end this shit Sunday. I'm not trying to come back to, I'll, if I'm coming back to Boston, it's because we're getting treatment. And we're, you know, we're with our families and then we're getting ready for Philly either on Saturday or Monday. Well, now they win tomorrow uh, on Tuesday and they'll play Philly Saturday. If they lose, uh, then it, it should be uh, May 1st, which is we're playing Monday. Philly Saturday. But... We're playing Philly Saturday. Yeah, Philly's, so... Philly's prepping for a Saturday yeah. game. I just, he, he, <laughs> yeah, he's no, such a tone setter. I'm prepping, yeah, too. But yeah, but yeah, but like, yeah, neither thing. Like, he, he's, like I said, yeah, he, he, he's been awesome. And like I said, he, he set the tone with that dunk last night because that, that took. It almost took them out the sales. Like they had a little bit of a run, and then 
I don't even think that it was the kind of you said it was the irrational conference thing about waving off Jalen. Like you said, you got Bogdanovich. One, one, because he he you can't stay in front of him. That's one. Two, Bogdanovich was in foul trouble. So it's knowing, okay, if he does press me, if he if he touches me, I, all I gotta do is fall back. They're gonna call the foul. Either I get the air one or I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the free throw. So I think that's just a high IQ play in that moment. It was, he so knew, many okay. parts of it were such a high IQ play, yeah. honestly. Like it really Yeah, exactly. Was. So I, I get I get by you, I gambit on you, and okay. Now we go into the fourth game. But even the fact that he went like back to basket right by the half court line, you know, to just try to bait him into the other side because he knew he's gonna be able to turn him and get that step. I mean, like that is like it I guess it's weird um, because you don't really have like a concept no. of time. Like in my head, because I'm like worried about getting old, I keep thinking we just drafted Marcus <laughs> Smart. I keep I, I'm forgetting that he like is a, here like, for a while, the veteran bro. player, yeah. like him and yeah. Al Horford, or like maybe the, yeah, you know, so it's like it's been a while, like, he, and he's been in a lot of playoff situations. A lot of these guys have, and I think you can, you're really starting to see that, you know, especially with this core together. But Bobby, talk to me about Marcus. I know you're saying he is a tone setter, it, the, he's, he's a player made entirely of intangibles a lot of the time, you know, and as much as you were saying to me last time we talked that. And I agree with you to a certain extent, like how well the backcourt's working, like when uh, Brogdon's on the floor, how well he plays off Derek White, how well Derek White's been playing. I, you have to see this playoff Marcus thing now, right? I mean, geez. oh yeah, I mean eight. What was it? Eight, eight of fourteen from the floor, uh, three of eight from three, and 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 those aren't regular Marcus Smart numbers in the regular season that we see. You know what I mean? And I think w- where else you see it too it is not just with Marcus, but also in the play of Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. Where, where there was one play specifically that stood out to me with Derek White, the charge that he took, I forget who he took it on, but it, it was it was such a Marcus Smart-esque play to be able to get there, set the feet, before the dude even knew what was happening. Derek White was in front of him drawing that charge. It, it, it just was so Marcus Smart. It reminded me so much of that James Harden charge back in the day where it was like, listen, the guy didn't have a chance. He didn't have a chance. That was an offensive foul no matter what he was doing. And, and those are just the type of things I think that just permeate throughout the entire team. When Marcus is going and when he has that swag is when you see White and Brogdon pick it up their games. And I, I, I feel like I, I didn't necessarily see it as much in the regular season, but when, when the, the playoff atmosphere is intensified and, and those lights are shining down there, he, he just stands out so much more. You know what I mean? He really does. And also, you know, just to talk about our backcourt in general, I think we should just go through all of our guards and, and the games that they have. There's not a ton of redundancy in their games. And, and nope. I think it, yep. it really, it adds to to how well constructed this backcourt actually is. Obviously our wings and like, you know, let, let's not do the fucking, I'm a, a random ESPN commentator and I'm going to talk about how the Boston Celtics are unique because we've never seen two wing players play. It's okay, we get it. We've been talking about this for like four fucking years. Like we understand the wings are like unique. And they're both very good. And we will get to the fact that those two guys were very dominant in a, in a more uh, specific way. But the backcourt, I think, is really showing out in the sense that if you are the opposing team and you go, OK, let's try to limit Derek White's ability to kind of floor general and, and OK, we can't speed him up, but like maybe we can push him out. Maybe we can force him to shoot contested threes. Maybe we can do this. If that happens and Malcolm Brogdon's on the floor, he's able to just like He's like the sneakiest off-ball player ever, and he's also super sneaky when he has the ball. It's like I feel like it's like a, you he's know so when you have slow, like a, but so quick. Yeah. It, but you know, you know, in the NFL when you have like a running back who's like four inches shorter than a normal running back, and the guys are having a harder time tackling him because he's like below the line of sight. It's like that's sort of how I feel like Brogdon plays. He plays super Brawls. low. Yeah, he like he the way he dribbles like 
he, I never know what he's going to do, you know? So I'm sure it's very frustrating for the other team to try to guard him. He had a great game four. I really enjoyed his game four. I thought that was vintage peak Malcolm Brogdon. And yeah, him and Derek White both have a floater. Sure. Like, you know, they both can score from like different ranges. Sure. But their games are still very different. And Marcus Smart is different than like almost every guard in the league, right? Like the way that he plays, like his intangibles, the way that like Ray was saying, if you get good Marcus, you get steals, you get fuck it. He's like diving for an inbounds pass on like a normal inbounds pass. That was dope. That I was dope. That. <laughs> it was the best. I know he that, was the, be- that was the best. That was the best player game four. Best player game four by far. <laughs> but, but yeah, like the fact that our, our, our backcourt can, can throw, and we talked about this last year and we didn't even have as good of a backcourt, but the, the whole team, especially the backcourt, can throw so many different looks at a team. And I don't even think we've really gotten out of second gear in this, in this round one. So Ray, could you take this opportunity to talk about the backcourt, how it's constructed, and uh, most specifically, the White-Brogdon tandem that teams just can't really seem to deal with? Yeah, I, so uh, I'm going to steal a line from you. I think you was, I think, on a previous show. Uh, Derek White having a pull-up three in his game was not on my bingo card. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, just, it, it just wasn't. Like I said, I, I, I've talked notoriously about the floater, about him getting to the cup, but him having that, that pull up in three, I'm, I did not see that coming at all. And that just adds another dimension to his game. You know, also Brogdon is probably the best three point shooter out of the three of them, obviously. So it probably goes Brogdon, White, then, then that's smart there. I think smart is more of the, is the, is the streakiest of the three, so that when he gets hot, it's just he, he gets crazy hot. Marcus is also the ballsiest of the three, so like he might make big across the course of the playoffs because he's just like, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but I mean, you you need you need that mentality at times, but you know, but to answer your question about just really the the Brogdon and White dynamic, they they have made our wish come true with playing them a little bit more. Remember, you know, that's something we had talked about as soon as that that trade had happened, that you know, I wanted to see them on the floor because that should be a part of their closing lineup. And obviously, everyone can't play at the same time. I would love to see a three-yard lineup at times where it's like, you know, maybe you move Tatum to the five and put Brown at the four. And once again, this would have to be not against this Hawks team, though, right? That's more if we if we start. No, yeah, I mean, mean, yeah, yeah, can't do the Knicks round. Say again. Just like if we if we Uh, come up against like a Philly, I don't know if I love that because like we're gonna get murdered on a five. No, no, and we would have to be on the bench. Yeah, and B would have to be on the bench. Like I, I yeah, would never yeah, do yeah, that yeah. with him. Sure, sure, sure. Or if we're really well, trying to beat him on speed and the transition plays working, then then maybe we could do it. But yeah, Embiid's yeah. looking a little gassed. If, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. If 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 Paul Reed's out there, who Paul Reed was phenomenal in the, in the final game against Brooklyn. I don't know if you watched that game, but he won them that game. Like it, Brooklyn was on the heels, and if Paul Reed was like, "I'm going to channel my inner Joel Embiid," and he got like 15 rebounds off the bench, I was like, "Wow!" Just this. this my is time to shine. Yeah, yeah, my time to shine. Yeah, so it was great, but so yeah, that's the only time I would I would have that type of lineup. But yeah, I'm I, only because I'm I, I just love how they all play. I want to see them three together with Tatum, with Brown, and just see them have attract me. I know Bobby said don't track, don't have attract me, but I think they could they would they would run teams off the floor with them five out there, honestly, and it would get ugly pretty quickly. If we're uh, playing Golden State. Right. Say say yeah. somehow Golden yeah. State makes it to the finals again, and we needed to like actually fun. make make a move to like they could Sacramento that too. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think Sacramento is going to make it because they. I don't know if you guys saw a very key yeah, injury for them Fox, today. Yeah. But uh, I think if we we're playing a team like Golden State and they were trying to run us, right? If they were doing that Golden State thing where it's like Jesus Christ, how is the ball at the other end of the floor already? 
I think that would be a lineup that could that could augment that, right? Like Draymond Green would all of a sudden just look like a fucking traffic cone out there if we did that to them, right? So I think uh, I think that would be cool. I'd, I'd be super into yeah. that. I'd be nervous to do it with a team that has like size like Embiid or Giannis or something like that or Jokic or anything like that. But otherwise, yeah, that'd be fucking cool. If, if, if we come up against it like a, a track star team, that would be pretty sweet. Broken finger on the shooting hand, huh? No, That's can do rough. That, yeah, huh? It, it, still, it, still, it still had 40. 40, yeah, it still had 40 last yeah, night. He's, he's, he was, he's he great. Was, yes. Yeah, he's, he's great. Off. Fast as fuck, boy. But uh, let's talk about Rob Williams. You, sure. you, were, you were mentioning to us, Ray, I think earlier in the group chat, like, was that maybe his best game as a Celtic? Uh, that game four. I mean, I think he's had a great series so far, to be honest with you, but like, it could, it could be. I, I think I said the phrase... Robert Williams ceiling more times in the first couple of years of this podcast than any other phrase. And I think, oh, knock on wood, we're starting to see it, man. I, I was bitch moaning and complaining about his load management at the end of the regular season, but it seems like they were just kind of keeping him in the fucking kennel ready for him to just like come out raging. And I think, uh, I think that's what's happening. I think he was definitely the fact, the only thing that I can offer as an explanation for how much his game has gone up is that he was taking it easy in the regular season to, to, to try to keep his, his, knee healthy to try to you know everything like not play too hard he's playing hard he's playing smart and he's playing fucking great you know i when mean he, when he's rolling offensively that offense is literally impossible to stop when 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 that flop when that what flop when that loader is going up there's literally nothing the other team can do to stop robert williams and the rest of this offense it's it, the lob that's the word i was looking for when the lob is going to rob there's nothing anyone can do to stop. I was saying, really Ray and, uh, I was saying to Ray and Mike on the last show, it's like, nobody wants to fucking learn the sky hook. Like, I don't understand why. It's like an impossible shot to guard. <laughs> but like, only one guy ever did it. It's like, call him up, Rob Williams. Call him up. He'll teach you how to do it. Like, he will. Because he be just so needs, dope. I just, like, imagine if he just had that one last thing, which is that, like, elbow right around the, the basket type of shot that you can't really stop because he could do it with that length. I know he's only 6'9", and we always forget that because he's like, he plays like he's fucking eight feet tall. But he needs that one last thing. But that's no that's no slight on on the game he's been having because you're right. Like, players can literally just be like, oh, Rob's beat that guy to the basket by a step. Lob it up. Well, you know? It's over. Yep. It's over. And uh, he's also playing super hard. I mean, I get nervous though, Ray. Do you get nervous watching him like, going for big swats and hitting the deck though because he really has put his body on the line in this series from time to time. So the play that had me nervous was, anyway, actually, he, he was actually upright for this one, but the play that he kicked it out to Jalen, like I thought, I, I don't know who was at the, I don't know who was on the baseline, but I thought they were going to run into him and I got nervous. I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> just just, just move, move away. Don't fall around the leg. Don't fall to the shoulder. Don't do anything. But, you know. Those he, three possessions, man, were, were, yeah, he, were yeah, unbelievable. He, he bowed, yeah, unbelievable, but Gets the rebound, kicks it out to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown hits the three from the corner office, and game. it was it was game. Well, yeah, even and, the play the play before that too where it was almost the same yeah. exact play, except Jalen dished it down to Rob, and Rob went up for the dunk. Oh, right, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and so, and I know, I know we're going to get to Jalen, but I, I, that just brought that just made me think about it. Those back to back assists that he had yeah, in the yeah. quarter when the game was kind of teeter tottering. Those are two of the best players I've seen Jalen make his whole career, and I, that made that people could say, "Oh, he's engaging hyperbole." That's fine. That that that's cool. You know, keep keep listening. But I mean, <laughs> if you walk back what you saw in, the, in that final quarter from Jalen Brown, once again, we've lamented about the ball handling. We've lamented about the turnovers. Those back to back plays where he's under control with the messed up hand. We know what's going on with the with the orbital bone. 
the man was locked in and made right, the the right play after right play after right play. So that that was just phenomenal to see. But like I say, Rob's effort, and once again, we said it on the previous show. I've said it, like I said, it's been said on other shows and other platforms. No Rob, no ring. <laughs> when he when he's when he's at the level that he's at, this team, like I said, like you said, Bobby, it goes to another dimension, another level, another place. Without with a stratosphere, whatever word you want to use, he's 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 just that good. And like I said, I I love that he's coming off the bench still. Joe, whoever do not change the dynamic. I understand that Philly is coming. I get it. And it's gonna be very taunt, uh, very daunting and taunting, whatever to you know, want to put them together. I I don't know. I just I just like how this dynamic is. Once again, you can still switch it up and keep those two guys, uh, him and Horford out there. Excuse me, but I just to me, I I just like this dynamic of having Brogdon and, and Rob come off the bench because once again, those two alone make you better than any second unit in the league. Yeah. On that note, Al Horford maybe hasn't had across the entire of the se- entirety of the series as big of an impact as maybe we thought he would. Mm-hmm. I'm personally not super worried about that. I think that the the way that the game that these games have have played out, the way that we match up against this team specifically has a lot to do with that. I still think he's made some big threes. Uh, I th- still think he's made some big defensive plays. I still think his veteran presence is essential to the success of this team. Are you guys worried at all about Horford's performance? And on that note, I'm glad you brought it up, Ray. I want to talk about the double big lineup that brought us so much success in last season's postseason. And it was those two guys. And now you have a guy in uh, Rob Williams who's maybe... 1.5 times the player he was come come last uh, season's postseason. He was playing a little bit hurt, granted, but I think I think his game has gotten better too in 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 a year's time since last April. But that double big lineup, I, I disagree with you slightly in the sense that it's like don't don't mess it up. It's like I would actually like to see the double big thing right out of the gates against Philly because Embiid's like that dude right now like he really is like he's so fucking hard to guard and like we saw that in the last uh, regular season game we played against them because he was just able to get whatever he wants that could happen we have to try to limit it early though right i mean before we switch to to an idea of uh you know whatever he's gonna get whatever he wants let's make sure nobody else kills us let's at least try to limit him and frustrate him with that double big lineup would be my suggestion i do understand the momentum factor that you're talking about and the and the and the sort of organic way that they're meshing together at the moment. And also the, the minutes not adding up as much on Rob Williams is helpful. But... That, that's, that's my only, that's my only, what's the word? Like, and that's my only concern. Like, it's just like, if he, if you're just still dominating and he's only playing 25 to 28 minutes, no, that's golden. Like, yeah, like that, that is, and I, I know, I know you want 30 plus of him. And I get that. And I mean, I, it is, it is golden. It is best case scenario. I, just, I just don't know how realistic right now, that is against Philadelphia. Sure, but I, I I think for me, if I mean, granted, he's probably going to be out there to finish the game anyway. So it's right. like if you want to limit what he does in the first half, sure. and then put up in the second half, cool. Like I'm 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 fine with that as well. But it's funny because you just spoke to my mindset. I'm of the mindset, fine, okay, and B, go go get forty five. But PJ Tucker, you ain't doing nothing. Tyrese Maxey, you ain't doing anything. We're going to, I mean, James Harden is Mr. Jekyll and Hyde. We can say what we want, but what he doesn't, he's a Hall of Famer. We get it. Great player. I would be pretty surprised if he plays every single game in the next series, also, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm sure he would. Just, he, he just, well, <laughs> we might not notice he's playing. We might not notice he's not going to say he's <laughs> he'll be out there. The ghost of, the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> he'll be out there. 
But no, yeah, he he's Mr. Jekyll and Hyde. Like that, there's no uh issue saying that. Once again, phenomenal player, great talent. Not the same guy anymore, though. I mean, but no, he's, not, he's not 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 the same guy. Now, Maxi is a guy I'd worry about personally because I, I I'm how you feel about Dejounte Murray. It's how I feel about Maxi. I think Maxie, I like him too. You yeah. know, so I I think that he's somebody that's a gamer. So yeah, if you if you kind of make some scrappy around, guards, yeah. So if you, if you limit what's around, uh. Let me was around and beat, and yeah, like it's you. But I once again totally understand your premise. You're you're, you're not wrong. I must say we, we just we just see it we just see it differently in that moment. But I just to me, I like I said I, the continuity is there. I just from a rhythm stand, cadence standpoint, I just like what I've seen and want to keep it that way until you have to change. Yeah, it. the only thing that scares me about the double big lineup, and we saw it a little bit in the last game, is the offense gets really stale, really mm-hmm. fast when it's double big. Are you the, talking there, about? Are you talking about? In reference to last season's postseason, though, or the no, like, last last we, game, last well, I mean, I guess we didn't really see it as much last. We didn't game. really I, see it as much, and I think that the issue uh, with when the offense got stale last season was we didn't have like you know we always used to talk about the kill the game Celtics, like the slow down the clock Celtics, like mm-hmm. they were the worst version of the Celtics last postseason. I don't think that's the case anymore because of Derek White. Yeah, like, I, I think mean, that if the, you the pick and pop is so deadly now yeah. this year, so yeah, like we, we're going to need to be able to kill games better. And I and that was a that was a de- a definite bullet point coming into the season or the postseason I should say we are we are able to kill games better and yeah, and, yeah. and our guard play is is why you know and I think you can put those two guys out there for I'm not saying like as much as last postseason like I think a big part of why we were doing that is because there was like a lot of fucking minutes in everybody's legs you know Jalen and Jason were fucking exhausted by the time we got to the finals especially uh, Tatum and I think. It was like, okay, we can run this and we can kind of still push and beat on other teams, push them around, you know, like be a little bit more athletic than them in the front court, like all that stuff. I don't think we're going to need to do it as much. We don't like play the same way, but we're going to be able to need to do it, right? Like we're going to need to be able to do it. Like we're going to have to be able to pull it off. And I think that it, I agree with you, Bobby. I've seen that happen with the stagnant and stagnant offense. We are much better defensively when we do it, obviously. But I think Derek White, what you do in the it, for me, and I would love to see this, and this will transition us into into talking about Joe Missoula because this isn't a criticism of Joe, but what I would love to see is, and I, it is maybe a little bit late in the game to start developing something like this, but if Al and Rob are out there, put Derek at the one and have neither Brogdon or Smart out there, and put everybody else around him and just let him do an old school point guard routine, let him oh, use the entire. Yeah, I mean, but like, but in a way that he gets to actually call plays. He gets to actually run stuff. You you know, you're, the, the guys who are setting screens are not early guys. They're later guys. Like, they're the front court guys. Like, have Al come and set a screen. Have have Rob come and set a screen. And then open up those lanes and then drive and dish. So that by the time you're shooting, high percentage shot, there's three to four seconds left on the shot clock. That's like how that, you yeah. kill the game. And that's not how, what, that's not, we were not able to do that last season at all. We were fucking terrible at it. Can it keep? Can I? Cause so that kind of actually leads me into another uh, question. I, 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 I like that actually. I like it. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. So yeah. uh, I have a question of. So it kind of leads back to what I was saying before: is why is it at times? So I don't know if either guys can even answer this, but what? Why is it at times that this offense does feel like they either a stop calling plays, or uh, I don't know what happens? Is it they do get back into that ISO ball sometimes, and it just feels like they either a run out of plays to run. Or they just decide that they're going to do it for a few minutes because Honestly, as soon as soon as they get back to their pick and pops and as soon as they get back to their double screens, 
the ball starts flowing and they start scoring again. Honestly, it just, it just I, hits I think, these moments where it just gets so stagnant. I, I know what you mean. I don't think they last as long and I don't think they happen at, in as damaging of circumstances as they used to. But I do I do know and I do know what you mean because we're all sensitive to it because we watch this team do it and For fail so like and, and ruin series. But I think what it is, and this is a thing that kind of occurred to me. I'm glad that you put on the on the talking point list, Ray, talking about Joe Missoula, because what he I think he does, which was annoying all of us in the regular season. I think it, it it's occurred to me what actually he's doing. Yeah, he's better with timeouts. Like, yeah, his rotations are better. OK, cool. I think he's saying to this team, you figure it out. You figure it out. This is happening figure out on the court what we're going to do. If I need to fucking call a timeout and come back and bring you back and babysit you into what you already know how to do, which is like control the fucking game. You're better than these guys. And I think he actually is staying in the pocket and holding on to his balls a little bit because he knows we're that much better than this Atlanta team. I think maybe when we're playing Philly, maybe when we're playing Milwaukee or maybe maybe it's Miami, probably not, but like maybe it fucking is <laughs> in that in that next round. I think it's a little bit more like, okay, traditionally we got to fucking call a timeout. We got to figure this out. I think to trust the players and let them fuck that up for a little bit and let them get a little bit into that hero ball for a second and then trust them to get themselves out of it because they should know to do that at this they, point. They, I think that's what he's been. trying to do. They I think been. that's what he's trying to do, honestly. I think he's going, come on, guys, you're out there. You know what you should be doing. I could be wrong, but you I, know, I, 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 I think, even ask the think, question I was thinking that Joe yeah, was no, I, I think I think that's, that's valid. And yeah, it, it, it makes sense. To do that in a regular season as opposed to doing it now, trying to figure that out now. Sure. We but um, he kind of was, right? Like he wasn't yeah, really no, yeah. and, it, it, was, it was it was infuriating because it's like, yo, it like, was, yeah. they, it's like I, I I need you to call a fucking timeout because this 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 is ridiculous. But yeah, he called a couple quick ones uh, in, in game four. He did. He called was a couple late ones too, though. There was a couple late ones too, though. Yeah, I love I love right. <laughs> I love I love what he said on the sideline at times. Like I loved, you know, what he what he said to them in the locker room too. So Unless we know that he actually does have an actual voice, because that was not, that's what I, that was my biggest concern. So, so yeah, I am surprised See, when I hear him talking. That, I'm like, oh, that's what you sound like. I love that game too. <laughs> yeah. When when they're, uh, I think it was it was a game one or game two. They asked him, uh, so what what are you going to do to prevent the letdown in the second quarter? He's like, I don't know what the fuck you just watched, but that was a pretty big goddamn letdown in the second quarter. And I was like, okay, Joe, all right, <laughs> yeah. bro. Yeah, no, and yeah, then he, he did the Bill Belichick in game three. Yeah, did yeah. you hear that? Where they were like, what do you got to do better? Like, blah, blah blah. He was like, rebound. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and then what? Like what? At? And he's like, play harder. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, thanks, Joe. Yeah. He's like, no, it's awesome. Okay, see you later. <laughs> even, but even I think even coming into this area, they was like, I don't know, if it was like Gary Washburn or whoever, someone from the Globe, but asked him like, oh, like, you what do you want to approve on? He was like, you know, calling timeouts. <laughs> so like, he 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 knows that that's been a a running theme that you know ourselves and other talking shows have have, have talked into the ground and will continue to do so if if it raises his ugly head, but. No, but like I said, listen, he he is definitely improved in the series. I think Bobby, what you said during our preview show was was spot on that this was the perfect series for him to kind of get those, you know, iron those uh, you know, those hanks out. Like what what can you do against Quinn Snyder? Because once again, Quinn Snyder obviously is, is a I like him a heck of a coach. I like him a lot. It's I really just like do. once again, he doesn't have who he's looking for on that team yet. Once again, next year might be a different story. I think right, so. Yeah, I think they got know, some pieces right now. They, they don't. They don't have. They don't have. And clearly, game three to me showed he already has an ear with them because they came on and fought. Like if they, if they didn't fuck with him at all, they would have laid down in game three. Yeah, I yeah. Think, you know, he he has an ear for them, which is why I think they end up showing up and you know they 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 show some fight 
in game three, and even game four, they showed fight. It was just, it just, it just wasn't enough. Uh, container said enough's enough. <laughs> Scoring sixteen in the fourth, like it was just enough's enough. Uh, uh, was enough. Speaking so, of game four, yeah, a good transition to talk about sort of the final uh, duo. I think we'll do the Jays at the same time, considering they both have thirty-one exactly okay. in game four, which is sick. Great. In a in a game where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both score roughly the same amount of points, and those points are a lot of points in in relative basketball terms. The Celtics will win that game. I will bet my left and right testicle on that fact. If they're both scoring 25 plus, we've won the game. That's a fucking that's that's as true as the day is long, in my opinion. So um, so to back that up with actual factual evidence for you, the Celtics are now 22 and one when yeah. both the Jays score. 30 I'm genuinely points. surprised at that one. Not 95 percent winning percentage. <laughs> the moment for the finals, right? Yeah, it, I think it was in the finals, yeah. The highest in NBA history, by the way. Yeah. Highest winning percentage. Yeah, I mean, what we have on our hands here, guys, and like, you know, you don't want to get too carried away. You don't want to be a jinx. You don't want to be this. You don't want to be that. When we first started this podcast, all of us were uh, just throwing Hail, Hail Marys of hyperbole just to see. Uh, and we, I, I know we've all calmed down a little bit, but if we're being honest, if we're really, really being honest, this is the best duo since Shaq and Kobe. It just is. I mean, statistically it is, and on the eye test it is. The fact that everybody, myself included at times, said that their games are too similar. He's not going to want to do this. He's going to want to do that. You know, it's redundant. Why not go get this guy? I mean, I was guilty of it myself a couple of times because it's against conventional wisdom, you know? These two guys play so fucking well together when they're on the court at the same time. And in reference to what you were just saying about, about the Hawks showing some fight, you can show as much fight as you want. When Tatum's hitting threes at will, the, Bro, it's what are you supposed to do? Like you must be Trey Young just being like, because Trey Young was having a good game, a borderline great game, you know? <laughs> and he was like, he was doing it. If you had 35 and 15 last when, yeah. when when Tatum and, does that little sway at the top of the three-point line and every Boston fan goes, he's shooting it. And yeah, there's, oh, there's literally nothing. Every you Boston can do, fan, bro. everybody on the court every, says, every, I said everyone this last he, show. I said this he last knows. show. The exact thing I said, Bobby, was you were here for it, but the exact thing I said was I used to get mad at Jason Tatum for the fact that I always knew when he was going to shoot, and that meant the defender always knew when he was going to shoot. But now I always know when he's going to shoot, and the defender always knows when he's going to shoot, but it doesn't matter. There's nothing <laughs> you can do about fucking it. fucking goes in. And the thing is, is, you know, I, I always remember 08, and I know we reference 08 a lot around here, but when you're talking about winning fucking rings, it's going to come up, especially when you're doing a Boston sports uh, podcast, right? In 08, there was moments where, Rayon would have it in the corner or Paul Pierce would do a step back or KGD would do a turnaround where before it left their hands, you're not even watching the arc before it left their hands. You know, what's going in, you know, you just know. And Tatum is finally really this season starting to do that even more. So now in that game four, you guys were, we were in our group chat in game three where, when Tatum missed that three. And I, you know, all I said was, and I do think this is true. If you're going to be that guy, you got to hit that fucking three. It's wide open. You want to be that dude. You got to hit that three. Yeah. How does he respond? What's his quote in between the two games? That's on me. That's what I want to hear. That's on me. I got to fucking hit that shot. I got to play good. I got to win us that game. What does he do? 31 in your fucking eye, right? And, and his buddy. His and his buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't think you hit in a, in, a, in a game, like a game that mattered because I mean, he's done in an all-star game. But in a game that mattered... I've not seen him hit a three that deep. And I was like, I didn't think that he had the legs to even get. That was so dope. That was unbelievable, bro. I was like, wow. So was he so put him, I was, I that was, was like, it. That was Especially, especially that was because Trey pulled up like, from there. Trey pulled up from there and missed, 
right the before, logo. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. He pulled up from there and missed, and it was like, who is that dude then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Jason fucking Tatum. Yeah, and like, look, the, I was a little concerned when the mask came off for uh, Jalen because I'm like, no, 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 ride with the mask. Rip Hamilton. Don't do it. It's, it's, it's Stop. Don't, don't change the juju. I don't want to. But he's like, fuck it. The hand is obviously still bothering him. It's very clear that he's playing through that. I wanted him to get more days off for that reason. But, uh, you know, fuck, man. If you can play the minutes you're playing like, and put up what you're putting up, like you're, he at, you're playing 42. Pain, right? He played 42 in game yeah. four. But he's playing through the pain, right, Bob? I mean, we're not super concerned about that hand going into to the Sixer series. No, no, no. especially close it out. So yeah, well, like you yeah. just said, if 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 you're out on the court, you're play, playing playing yeah. those minutes, man. You're playing those minutes, and yeah. you, you can't be concerned with that, especially with Jalen too. When you're, you know, the thing that people always center around is his dribbling and his his dribbling through vo- traffic. And I think that he proved in Game Four specifically. There was one or two drives where it looked a little shaky. But he was able to get himself out of there and and make a play. I think well, one of them the specifically is. was that was to dump down the rob to, yeah. in the last couple minutes, right? So I mean, you know to what see the problem is with his dribbling. That is awesome. The problems that, that that he's really had with his dribbling is he's too fucking fast. He's so fucking athletic that like you have to have handles to keep up with that. You know, like he always gets it caught under his feet because he's like about to explode or like make a play. I think he slowed down a little. I I, I think yeah, he's like. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're, they're all they're all they're all helping them out. They're all helping each other out with their, with different a- aspects of their games. You know, you're you're talking about Derek White taking a Marcus Smart style charge. Uh, Jalen Brown's playing Derek White style uh, lane lane splitting. You know, like he he slowed down a little bit when he's going into those lanes. He's taken a little bit off the gas so he can dribble a little bit more and calming down a little bit more. And also, I mean, in game four, he was going up with his left hand. Fully contested, falling away from the fucking basket, making huge and one layups, fucking getting pumped when he's on the fucking ground. I mean, the dude's locked in, you know, like mentality wise, they're all there. And I think these two guys, there's always been this conversation, this meta conversation of like, who's the leader? Who's going to be the main dude? And then you see Marcus Smart wave off Jalen Brown and go dunk it on fucking Bogdanovich in, in the third quarter. And it's like, nobody. This is a republic. These are the founding fucking fathers. And everybody's about that life. So like, let's go. You know, it's right. like who's who's got who's got who's got the last thing to say? The guy who's playing the best, the guy who's doing the thing. You know, it's kind of why Grant Williams sticks out like a sore thumb. I will admit he had a better game three, but what happened in game three? We fucking lost, so maybe he shouldn't fucking be out there. And then he uh, played fifty six seconds in game four. But that's what so, I'm saying, bro. You know what the fuck's that guy 56 doing? Fifty six seconds. That sucks. <laughs> anyway, whatever. We're not gonna do a Grant Williams piece because I had about fucking. They gave me nicely. Ray uh, Ray let off the last one and gave me a good. Soapbox to fucking tee off on Grant Williams. What's and then crazy. what happens in game three? He comes out and like hits a bunch of threes. I'm like, that's just the fucking jinx that I get. Yeah. It's, it's coming back around. Don't well, worry. I mean, but so if, this, if we, we do, it's every time, every time, of course, it doesn't matter who says it, right? Any any time we get on a player, whether it's a Celtics, whether it's somebody else, they the go team, off every time. It, 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 it's guaranteed. It's still fucking lost though. So, yeah. So, looking at these. We're getting 14 for him though. Look out. So, that, that, that actually leads me to a question here is, so game four, obviously a must-win game. They they put all their eggs in, in the game four basket. Seven-man rotation, essentially. So yeah, but the, I like the that. Next I shortened the rotation last is that, year was what is got that us sustain, success. Is that yeah. sustainable to, to go the entire way? We're going to need Hauser, Muscala, Williams, and Pritchard to at least play one or two games where they play significant minutes, right? That, that seven-man rotation can't be sustainable throughout the entire playoffs. And, and I know this is we haven't talked about this guy much because he's been on the sideline. I, I think the further they go, I think there's a chance Gallo comes back. I I, I know 
That'd be so, so beautiful, sick. man. Yeah, it, I, know, be, I know it's been a mission like, thing all year, and what he, will he do this? But the further they go, I just think even if you give 10 minutes from him. 10 minutes. I was just going to say that, 10 minutes great. from him. That, so I think would be, would be, would those be, Hauser minutes, honestly. Uh, that's it's what I was just going to say. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't mind he's Sam such, Hauser. He's such a liability on defense. I don't think it's, he's as bad as you think. Uh, I really don't think he's as bad as you think. I think that I think 90% of the league gets switched one-on-one to Trey Young, and they're going to get fucking burned. Al Horford was getting burned, and you're not calling him a fucking liability on defense, right? Those are bad switches. Right. I don't think Hauser's a great defender. I don't think he's as good of a defender athletically. He as doesn't like, know. I do. I really do think he does enough. And you he gets know, in the I'm, way. I'm on motherfuckers the hardest for for not uh, playing the right kind of defense. Like they, they, that's exactly the kind of shit I'm all over. I think Sam Hauser's had a few moments where people treat him like he sucks at defending, and he's come up. So I, there's just he's had moments. He if Missoula pulls Pritchard and doesn't play Pritchard at all during these fucking playoffs, why? Because he is a defensive liability because of his size. He just is, especially in a fucking situation where you get, as we go deeper into the playoffs and you start getting elite bigs. Yeah, he's all scrappy. Stuff. Fucking scrappy. Dude, are we still doing this Peyton Pritchard thing, Bobby? Really? Uh, it, it, uh, whatever. We're, we're, not doing a <laughs> we're not doing a Peyton We're not doing a Peyton Pritchard section on this show. He was dead to me that day. He came out and he was like, I need more minutes. I'm like, bitch, you're trying to win a championship. Yeah, shut shut up, the fuck up. Bro. Yeah, hey, no, no. no. Trust me, I'm, I'm with you. Agreed. I'm with you. I mean, you were the one that you sent you sent me the link, Ray, and you were like, trade him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I would have traded him. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, we're trying to win some shit around here, dude. We're not like maybe this guard is good. Like, cool. Of course, the last time I talked shit about him, he literally had 31 the next game, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> triple triple double. Didn't joking. he have a triple triple double the next game? I'm not I even think. joking. Wait, crazy. It's crazy. Oh, uh, wait, hold on. Let me actually do it. Jason Tatum sucks. He needs to improve. Jalen Brown sucks. He needs to improve. All right, cool. Game four, game five is gonna go great. So, uh, so yeah, anyway, just to finish everything off, we do need to, we did a little bit of a touch on this, but we do actually need to preview the 76ers series a little bit because it's happening. It's happening. The series, the Atlanta Hawks series is over. Thank you guys so much for coming. I'm so happy for you that you got front row seats to the best team in the NBA to play, play some basketball. And maybe you learned some lessons about, you know, how to fucking ball out in a, in a big situation. Also, if I could give anybody on your team advice, it's Trey Young. It's you, you saw LeBron. Just give up on the hair, bro. Just give up on it. It's it's yeah. cool. You know, it's just toast. It's, it's fine. It's done. You look like you look like an old uh, steel worker with that fucking haircut. You got to shave that. Well, at least get a haircut. So so it doesn't look as you know, like if you're losing your hair, there's a point where you can go short and it still kind of looks good. Yeah. But once you get long and you can see the gaps of your well, scalp also in not that for long nothing. hair you know most of like, us can walk around bro. without a bird's eye view of the top of our heads that's very professional <laughs> basketball you know it's like it's gonna come out it's not a good look it makes you look about 20 years older than you actually are but great baller though i really do i really do like his game i i sold all my stock on him because i just don't think he's that dude but here it is uh he kind of showed me so the 76ers we're gonna play them i know we usually fucking beat them right like we always do I I would say if you took the role players, the, the supporting cast of the Atlanta Hawks and put them around Joel Embiid, that might be a better 76ers team. Would that be a crazy thing to say? I think the 76ers yeah. are Joel Embiid, and I think the people around him are terrible. And like we were talking about earlier, Ray, I'll start with you on this. Mm-hmm. As long as none of those other fucking bums can hurt us in a Miami Heat circa 2000 and LeBron, uh, why the fuck is that guy hitting so many threes on us type, type deal? As long as those motherfuckers don't do shit. And we yeah. make sure PJ Tucker knows he's 75 years old. And we make sure that like none of these guys have anything to say about anything. And, and if James Harden has a good game, okay, he has a good game, but we're good, right? Like Embiid can do whatever Embiid's going to do. We just need to do our jobs. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's Maxi and Harris. Those, those, I mean, I know people are going to solve yeah. hard to, yep. to, to like Tobias Harris. Tyrese, I like Tobias Harris. 
to be honest. Yeah, those, those, yeah, those, those are the two guys that you really have to keep at bay. If like if if not, then like I said, it's going to be a more interesting series than uh, than we than we want it to be. It's like I talked about with this series in Atlanta. Like if DeAndre, like, I think I kind of talked about a DeAndre hundred game coming. I said that he he is a guy that can get something if he if he's locked in. He was I think honestly I like a lot of their players. The Hawks like. Yeah, I so like I mean, Clint Capella. I I like DeAndre Hunter. I, Ogonquo. I, I love Ogonquo, bro. Yeah, he's decent. I, I like. I like. Yeah, I, he, I already he, told he, you, he, I like Murray. But you know they're not going to trade him, obviously. But no, but but to 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 preview this, I I just think yeah, if you if you shut down, well, not even shut down. Like I said, Max is going. Max might have a game where he gets twenty five. Like, I think that's going to happen. But you you have to make sure that's only one game that happens and not. Maxi can't be what Derek White became this series because if he does. This shit's going to for sure. You got to make sure that you limit what's around them. Once again, the bench is not great for Philadelphia. Yeah, like we're said, so much deeper than them. I think, excuse me, I think if you put, like you said, if you put Atlanta's bench, so if you had, if it was Sadiq Bay, Bogdanovich, Jalen Johnson, and uh, I think even like a, like even Hunter, if you put them and traded and put them on, on, uh, on Philadelphia, bench, yeah. I, I think that would be, a, that'd be an awesome surrounding cast around uh, what what Embiid is looking to do because you you would give him more shooters, which creates more space for him, and we know that he's a seven foot two guy that can put it on the floor and just give you crazy work whenever he feels like it because the, the dude is that is that good. Uh, needless to say, if you if you shut down Maxi, shut down Tobias Harris, you just got to make them non factors, and if you make them non factors, then you know this this series should be over in six games. Well, yeah, because I'll beyond- also say really quick. Uh, I know that Tatum and and Embiid are buddies, you know, mm-hmm. off season buddies. I know they run they run games and stuff in the off season. Mm-hmm. They sort of came up at the same time and all that shit. No friends, man. No friends. Not in this playoff run. And I think that their, I think that their attitude is exactly what I want to see from them so far. It's like we're here to win a championship. We don't give a fuck about anything else. And I want to continue that through that series. But Bobby, uh, preview this this seventy sixers series for me. Yeah, no, it's, it's honestly exactly what I said. Because beyond those guys, so so yes, Embiid, Harden, Harris, Max, those those are the four. Beyond them, it's DeAnthony, Melton, Paul Reed, George Niang, and Jalen McDaniels, and the in the, the corpse of PJ Tucker. So like, <laughs> it, it's it's Larry it's, Curly Mo, bro. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable how much more depth the Celtics actually have than them. Like even going down to 10, 11 guys deep on the Celtics bench. Would would play significant minutes. So on do you this want to extend the rotation against them? Team. I mean, you you said seven guys, I would. seven guys in Atlanta, so maybe you, even just for the early games. I, I, yeah, I and and when it comes to like I said, it's just you match up so much better against the bottom of their bench than than the rest of the lineup. Like it's such a, a discrepancy when it yeah. comes to to what we have versus what they have beyond those top four it's, guys because yeah. the top four guys are are bona fide all stars, all four of them for yeah. sure. But well, beyond that, there's literally nothing. Like if this was NBA 2K, it's all guys in the 90s and upper 80s, and then a bunch of guys in those mid 70 ratings. You know what I mean? That you're like, bro, who is this Joe coming off the bench right now? Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I forgot about DeAnthony Milton. I forgot they got him in the trade. I was, I, I forgot about him. Take yep. Milton as well was another guy that played well for them. You know, last year. But I'm actually gonna go on the limb and say that. This will be a Blake Griffin series next week. I, I was going to say, I really want to see Blake yep. in the series. I really do. Agreed. I think, Agreed. I think that, yeah. One, it's, it's a no-brainer. I think anytime that he gets, he gets a chance to stick it to Doc Rivers, I think he's going to because of how that, how that ended in LA. I have a question about that when you're done, too. 
And that whole disrespect thing earlier in the year. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? I also think that because he could take charges, he's another guy who's going to have six fouls to give if that's the case. And then, you know, he played well against Philly all year, you know, because they basically left the wide open. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to hit this jump shot from the corner or he um, did. He had some fun fucking threes against Philly in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he's 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 a willing passer. You know, we know that from his L.A. days when he was in his prime. Didn't he had so. six. He had six in one of those games, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think it was the one that was here. The last one that was here. Yeah. You know, he did something. He had like I also his- really want to see him get some minutes because it would be a really cool bonus if we win a championship to get Blake Griffin his first championship. Like, I think that would be really cool. Like, it's just yeah, like, no, for, for sure. And I want him to have played. You know, I want him to have contributed. Like, actually contributed. And I think he well, can. I mean, he, he 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 already has. But yes, I, I get what you're saying. Like, in the postseason, it would, it would matter. In the postseason. But... I mean, we have to shorten the rotation in the postseason, especially as we go deeper. Yeah, but We're I, really yeah. going to lengthen it in the next series, probably. Like, I we shortened yeah. it on this one, I think, to just try to get the job done. But... As we go, we'll shorten it. I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure I'd like to see him in the finals if we're playing the Nuggets, and I think Blake Griffin should be in a suit at that point, but it's... But I mean, I, I think all the bodies you could throw, if that was the case, if we got there, like, we played... Denver. I don't know if that's how you defend Jokic, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's throwing bodies at him. I think it's... it's... No, they all, yeah, I mean, you need all fouls, because like I said, he, he's going to get whatever, so... Sure, but, like, I, so I've been... He, I've been, he passes like, so much up. out of the post, man. I know, but... That's ridiculous. But hear me out on this. Hear me out on this if Joe Mazzulla wants to, like, take a Skype call. I've been thinking about this really late at night uh, as I fall asleep. It's about cutting off the guys that receive the pass with him, I think. So, I, so if, the cutters? You, there's nothing you can fucking do about him. There's nothing you can do about him. But what you can do is two things. One, you can exploit the fact that defensively, he can sometimes be a liability. And two, if you move quick enough. And two, you can cut off his options, right? Yeah. Cut off his options and do exactly what we're, we're talking about with Embiid. It's like, go ahead, get, get 40. Get 40. You're not getting 10 assists. You're not getting seven assists. You're not getting four assists. Like, fuck that. Yeah. So I think that's the way to do it. I mean, listen, we're we're talking about developing nuclear fusion here. It's something something nobody's been able to figure out. He's won the MVP twice, but it's uh, and that's obviously a conversation for another day. But my question to you guys is: Philadelphia versus Boston looks like the the ninety nine point nine percent probability. If you want to put money on the Atlanta Hawks to win the series, I guess you hate money. Who has the better coach going into that series? I'm very concerned about Doc Rivers' ability to draw plays from the inbound, but otherwise, I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe we got something here. I think this, Joe has this more one's of for a Mike, voice. by the way. Joe has more of a voice, to be honest. If if we're talking about the the motivation factor, and I, I honestly think Doc is a, a series loss away from being out in Philly, and I think that the team can feel that. I think everyone in Philly can feel that. So I think when it comes to the voice that they have in the locker room, I think Joe has a better grasp on the Celtics locker room than Doc does on the Sixers. In terms of experience and in gameplay and reacting to the moment, I mean it's not close. Doc Rivers is 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 sure. far and away better, but that might Resume. not be what matters when it comes to a, a playoff series. You know, a short seven game series. I'm not sure if that's what matters. So we'll see. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, experience wise, of course, resume wise, sure, yeah. But yeah, I mean, once again, you know, uh, as I call it, heirs to the street, heirs to the team. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. I think Missoula has more of a more of a presence right now, as, as Bobby just just mentioned, but and he he better lean on that, you know, because once again we we saw, you know, we we've seen Doc Rivers get it done. We've seen him have great coaching performances. Yes, it doesn't matter if it happened years ago. Is the fact that it, it, it still happened, uh, 
Because once again, he, he he's gotten to two finals. He's gotten to multiple conference finals. So uh, this is not something uh, he he's not he's not a scrub of a coach, regardless of what others have said on this show. <laughs> um, hey, Mike. And I said, well, you know, I mean, we and Mike, you know, we me and I have gone back and forth. Excuse me, on the air, off the air, about that, and that's fine. But I, I once again, I'm not. I've never claimed the Dark Rivers to be the greatest coach of all time. That's not what I'm saying. I to me, I'm just not going to sit here and dismiss what he's been able to do. Because once again, other coaches have had phenomenal talent and never got it done. So I think about Scott Brooks. I think about uh, Frank Vogel. Yeah, Mark Jackson. Yeah, so I mean, let, let's take time, Mark Jackson. Yeah, there's, no, I mean it's it's real. I mean, even though he helped set up with that happening, but you know what I'm saying. So it's 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 a real thing. So just because you have the quote unquote talent uh, doesn't mean that you're you're going to end up winning, you know, the the series. So or multiple series. And once again, it's hard to win a game in the playoffs, let alone a series. So sure. I expect it to be, like I said, closer than what people think as far as the coaching matchup goes. But I will still give that slight edge to Doc Rivers right now. And yes, once again. I would love to be the reason why he's unemployed. He's going to have a voice. Make him lose his voice and, and his job lose, by the lose, end. Lose, lose, lose you, the you, know, you know the voice. The voice has been on his way out for a few years. You know the voice. And to think that he was an announcer for ABC at one time. Bro, he, his, you know, his voice is just always coarse. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's like, what's like, what happened? Could he, but he's been hearing... Hearing like old press conferences, like I I remember watching the uh, oh, Bird and Dominic. Oh, the '88 series when Bird and Dominic went against each other. They actually interviewed Douglas after the game, but I'm just like, well, what happened? Because he sounds perfectly normal here. Like, it sounded fine. So probably I not guess, screaming the top of his like, lungs. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess once again, maybe Dominique was the one yelling at everybody, and I get that because he was the best player on the team. So maybe maybe that's what it was. But I'm just like, wow. Like I, I'm like, what happened between? Uh, you know, what you were in Atlanta and New York and San Antonio. So you becoming a head coach. Maybe, maybe it was the, the head coaching that got his voice. Uh, so eventually be like that. So it's loud in the garden, man. Gets fucking loud. You got to try to rise above it. I, I did. I, I'm not going to lie though. And I'm sure you guys thought the same way. Cause we, we all, we're all cynical in our own way. I'm not going to lie. When, when we, when I saw that and B went down for game four, I said, Oh my God. Who has a chance to fuck around and come back. No, come on! No, I didn't I, that way at all. No, that no fucking team shouldn't even be game. here. They had the red. They had a playoff record because they're two best players. No, and they no, didn't one, have no one, no one has blown more leads. Just because it could, because of Philly, you mean? Yeah, I get it. No, no, I'm saying no, no. I'm, I'm saying no. I'm saying him. No uh, one's blown more leads as a coach than than him. Um, Clippers. They're bad though. Clippers. Clippers. The Nets are bad, dude. The Nets yeah, are magic. So bad. <laughs> magic, right? He blew a big one. With the, wasn't he coaching? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess Detroit. They was up three one, and Tracy McGrady yeah. was famous in that in that post game presser saying, "Yeah, not that game." So you know, it, it feels so good to finally get the first round. Send it on a press conference, and then they lost the next three. I don't that was know. when it was five. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny that never happened here. People can say what they want, but like Mike, <laughs> that that shit never happened here. Yeah, they they had a bad. Yeah, there was, was something in the air that year, though, right? <laughs> All right, this is general though. His, his eight nine years here. He wins the first year here. They had they had two two terrible years back to back. Obviously they come, they go get KG, they win. You know, he gets hurt, they lost to lose to Orlando, go back to the finals. So, you know, I'm just saying it happened it happened everywhere else. It didn't happen here. Like it's like Mike is here. It's like Mike yeah. is here, all right. <laughs> Everybody else is always here in spirit. All right. Uh we're running out of time, but I have a yes or no question for you guys in regards to the preview in the Philly series. 
in the context of the fact that uh, the Philadelphia 76ers have consistently, and most of the players still on this team, consistently gotten absolutely fucking daddied by the Celtics, the young Celtics, the baby Celtics, and now the, the adult Celtics. How do you think that Philadelphia is upset that they're getting Boston this early? Or do you think they relish the challenge? So relish or upset would be the two answers. Bob? Uh, I think they relish it. I think they're ready for it. Good for them, right? They, 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 they relish it. Yeah, well, it may- they can relish this fucking ass whooping. This has been missing the point. The Celtics are about to close out the Atlanta series. We're going to see Philadelphia in the next round, and we'll see you guys wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.